and welcome to the Business of Data podcast. I'm your host, Catherine King, and it's a pleasure to have you join us today. In this series, we'll be speaking to senior data analytics leaders to share their experiences, challenges, and insights. Let's go ahead and dive straight into today's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's Business of Data podcast. This week, we're going to be talking all about customer-centric data strategies and cloud computing, specifically overcoming the challenges of aligning data strategies with end user experience and needs. Now, to do that, I have brought in the lovely Mina Thanakachalam, who is the head of data data architecture for Ally. Now, for those of you who perhaps aren't as familiar with Mina, she has worked in a number of well-known enterprises, including the Hartford, Ingersoll Rand and Accenture. Mina is the head of data architecture for Ally, as I mentioned, which is a financial service company. Now, Ally's legacy dates back to 1919, and the company had a redesign in 2009 with a distinctive brand, innovative approach, and relentless focus on its customers, as well as encompassing a commitment to spark social change. Mina leads a number of mission statements, one of those being to unleash the power of data by architecting for the future growth delivering world-class solutions to enable their brand's initiatives. Wow, absolutely exciting. Lovely to have you on, Mina. How are you doing today? Good morning, Catherine. Thank you. Thanks for having me today. A pleasure to talk to you. From chatting with you before, Mina, I know you're really passionate about encouraging more women into the field of data architecture and engineering. Would you tell me a bit more about what drives this passion for you? Uh, diverse teams would uh, outperform than teams that doesn't have diverse team members. Uh, and diversity is very crucial for any organization to be successful. There's a lot of talented women um, who are pursuing other careers. And I would like to bring more women into technology, especially data architecture and data engineering. And I want to motivate young women to pursue career. And that's been my interest for the last few years. So I'm trying to uh, see if I can bring more women in this field because they, they've got a lot of talent and we have to utilize the talent in the right way. And uh, I am very passionate about bringing more women. Fantastic. It's going to be something I want to uh, pick your brains on a little bit and a little bit further in this podcast episode. For now, let's dive into the to the main conversation here. Now, Ally is an award-winning online bank, and recently you've been working on architecting a cloud data platform within the company, which is designed with customers in mind. Would you explain a bit more about this initiative for me, please? Ally is a leading digital um, financial services company. Doing it right for a customer has been our primary focus. So we are building a world-class data platform that would help improve our customer experience and also help uh, deepen our customer relationship and increase customer loyalty. So keeping customer in mind, we have identified uh, key use cases and we are building a world-class data platform. This platform is also looking at uh, integrating omni-channel data and also stitching data that we uh, collected about our customers, customer preferences. Based on that, we would uh, provide a targeted personalized experience for them. Scalability, reliability, performance efficiency, operational excellence, cost optimization. These are some of the core elements that 
has been considered as architecture guiding principles. And we have designed in such a way this platform is going to be the world-class uh, data platform for future. Fantastic. Now, in your opinion, Mina, what are the barriers in the way of many executives linking their data strategy to the end user experience? Uh, data strategy primarily helps an organization to uh, solve business problems in a structured and methodical manner. Uh, data strategy would look at what are my business problems and how can I make use of my data and help my customers improve uh, mm -hmm. experience. And also um, data strategy is very foundational uh, for any organization to invest in. The, uh, the primary thing that anyone can look at when they are looking at customer's experience or end user's experience is to ensure that uh, they have basic foundational capabilities that they lay out as part of the data strategy. For example, bringing in the right quality data, making sure you have right lineage. So apart from all of the basic foundational capabilities, mm -hmm. also having a customer 360 is very helpful and that's one of the foundational uh, capability to be considered as part of the strategy and also knowing what the customer wants um, when the customer needs and what are some of the critical metrics that one should look at to influence a customer is all uh, are very uh, crucial for a data strategy to be successful to cater to the needs of an end user so I think we should take go back um, from customer's experience. Mm -hmm. What are their problems? How can we solve? And how use of data to solve the problems? What technology is going to be helpful to solve the problem? So that's how a data strategy should be built, aligning to end users' experience. And plus, um, investing in some foundational capabilities is very inherent mm -hmm. to be successful. Brilliant. Now you joined Ally in August 2019, which is just over a year in the role. What would you say has been your main focus and what continues to be your main focus for yourself? I started uh, over a year ago, as you stated, and uh, this has been a great experience working for Ally. Uh, we have a great technology uh, leadership. Working under that leadership has given a lot of opportunities uh, for me. And uh, specifically in the uh, data architecture uh, organization, we have some core guiding principles that we are trying to adhere to and make sure the enterprise is adopting those guiding principles. For example, like we are moving towards cloud. That's one of the um, guiding principles that we are ensuring um, that we would stick to. The second thing is making sure that we bring data near real time wherever possible, making sure that uh, we simplify our data ecosystem is another primary focus, I would say. And also uh, democratize analytics and be able to serve uh, our users is another primary focus for my uh, organization. And also uh, deriving meaningful insights out of the data and monetizing the data has been a primary focus. So, these are some of the um, areas where myself and my team have been fo focusing on, but there's a lot of other exciting things we have done and we will get to talk about it. 
brilliant then. And I do think when it comes to my podcast and other content, I feel like a little bell needs to go off every time I say COVID because it just seems such a common word that I say in all of our content nowadays. But obviously it's it's absolutely impacting every element of our life from professional to personal. So I always like to include it as a question. So what I'd love to know from you is how has COVID impacted data organizations within the financial service industry? What have you you've seen uh, happen? So COVID has brought in major disruption to financial services industry. Uh, many financial services organizations are looking at providing short-term uh, relief to customers so their financial well-being can be improved. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially businesses are using data and analytics to make key vital decisions uh, for their enterprise. Uh, predictive analytics has been utilized in many organizations to predict delinquency risks, accounts receivables, and also using the analysis or results out of these um, uh, analytics, they take that results and proactively engage with the customers Mm -hmm. to come up with some alternate arrangements, possibly differing a loan payment or coming up with alternate options to help customers. So that has been one of the relevant uh, trends that we can see. And apart from that, the trend that I am seeing predominantly is to shift to digital, um, be it online or mobile banking. Because customers don't want to do physical banking anymore. Mm -hmm. And the trend is to go digital and uh, move towards online and mobile banking completely. Yeah, I think that trend was always going to happen. I think we were already on the road to digital, but I think what COVID done, uh, you know, so, so quickly for so many uh, companies and industries just push you further down that road that actually, like I say, we were we were trucking ahead towards digital, but suddenly, you know, going into a bank is not a positive experience for everyone anymore. You know, handling money, touching uh, and being around uh, all of these things is, is not something that we're, well, it's something we're trying to avoid actively at the moment. So that, that makes sense. I think it's interesting to see how lots of different pl- places and organizations have responded to such a dramatic shift. I think those who were perhaps like yourself already on that digital journey and probably quite a bit further down that road than than some of your competitors and others, uh, you know, having to really stand up digital things pretty much overnight. I think that's a, a really interesting area. Now, as I said just now, that kind of 360 view of the customer is something every organization is striving towards. And I think it's fair to say that we're moving more towards a consumer experience based economy rather than a previously seen product based economy. I think that's just just the way it is. What trends have you seen within the financial service to adapt to this way of consumer behavior, Mina? So we touched upon it in your previous uh, question. Um, So I see that. uh, Financial services organizations are building products to suit to customer needs or consumer needs that could give them short-term relief, like, uh, for example, different loan payment or giving some um, concession to customers who have been uh, with the uh, organization for longer, who have had a relationship with the bank or the financial services organization for a longer period of uh, time. So it's very evident that we are moving from a product-based economy to a consumer-based yeah. economy uh, with the COVID. And uh, um, it's very positive that many organizations are thinking about the customers in mind and also offering them uh, viable options so that their financial well-being can be uh, yeah. there. 
I think it's worth saying that, you know, when we're talking about different industries, dealing with customer experience during these sorts of times means a very different thing. I mean, so many people are going to be falling into financial worry or stress during this time. So actually, customer experience is more than just, you know, having a positive experience. It's actually making sure that it's as least stressful as it can be as well. And, uh, you know, the, these are the sorts of things that can be remembered uh, for months and years to come as to when people were in their most stressed and how a company then reacted to it as well. So uh, I think that's uh, interesting, interesting to, to continue watching and seeing how companies handle that as well. Now, I'm keen, we, we kind of touched on it previously, but I'd love to explore it a bit further as to what role AI and advanced analytics plays in improving on that customer experience. I think uh, very often they go hand in hand, but uh, as, we've, as, we, as we've hinted towards, many organizations are in different positions along that journey. So what are some of the industry trends that you're seeing currently? Yeah, there's a branch within AI called cognitive computing, uh, which strives having human-like interactions with uh, customers. Like in banking, specifically cognitive computing has is used predominantly to have human-like conversations. Mm -hmm. So customers can do most of their work by themselves without having any dependency on agents or uh, they don't need to call an agent to get the work done. Yeah. Uh, example, if they're applying for a loan, they could do it at this virtual assist assistance available um, and that could be deployed. There could be chatbots or there could be a variety of other options that mm -hmm. uh, organization could leverage. So that's one area where I see um, AI is uh, penetrating a lot. Another uh, trend I would say is uh, conversational AI. So for example, if you're talking to a customer um, you can use uh, the voice based on that. You can do some analysis on the sentiments and be mm -hmm. able to provide the right recommendations to the customer based on um, what they prefer. So that's another area where AI has helped tremendously. So taking the voice, converting that to converting that or parsing to text and running some algorithms to derive sentiments. Based on that, you can... Um, certainly offer the right product to the customer, the right service to the customer. Yeah. And I know there's often that worry that, uh, you know, robots are taking over the world is what came to mind, but robots are replacing people's jobs. But actually, I think what you've touched on there, especially with uh, kind of converting voice to text and then running some, some tests through that, is actually it's taking very manual, mundane work away from people so that actually they have time to analyze this fantastic data, really look into it and then action upon it rather than take away, you know, their, their job, they're actually enabling them them to to you know explore more interesting things that actually have uh, a far better use of a human as it were so uh, I think that's that's really interesting so should we have a bit of a chit chat about the future which I always feel like I should pull out a crystal ball for this because I think the future is as uncertain as it has ever been but um, I'm still going to ask these questions because I'd love to pick your brains on them. Looking to the future, what kinds of innovation investment in cloud computing technologies do you expect to see in the financial service sector, say, for the next one to three years? So definitely uh, cloud computing has brought in a lot of uh, capabilities uh, that could be leveraged in any industry, specifically data and analytics has seen a lot with cloud computing, um, especially in the space of machine learning. Uh, so let's say you're doing machine learning, uh, you're needing the compute capabilities. It's very easy to clean up uh, the capabilities or the compute 
power that you need within few seconds. Whereas in traditional world, I think uh, you have to order for servers, wait on it, be it a storage or any additional com compute capabilities that you need. So scaling up and scaling down is always a beneficial uh, option. And also you pay for the usage. You don't need to pay upfront. So yeah. that's um, tangible benefit that anyone could uh, leverage. The third thing I would say is um, if you're running machine learning type algorithms, uh, sometimes you might need GPU type instances, which is readily available. And then like sometimes if the model is generating a huge volume or a huge output, mm -hmm. you don't need to worry about storage or um, you know finding a space. So you can just get the data assets and then you can upload it. So within a few seconds, it's all taken care of. So there's a lot of benefit when it comes to infrastructure yeah. uh, and cloud computing has given a path to it, all the industries to make use of infrastructure readily available. Plus this variety of services available, be it as AWS, Azure or Google Cloud, there's mm -hmm. variety of services available that could be spin up in a few seconds. And uh, it is, I would say cloud computing has made the life of a data scientist or a data analyst or a BI user very easy. And it's very flexible and easy to use. Um, I think uh, it's, it's great that we are in this era of like cloud computing. So what I love about that answer, Mina, is it's so positive because very often uh, we, we hear many negatives when it comes to the cloud. And actually, I'd like to put this question to you as well, that many executives um, who perhaps don't sit within the data teams, but they kind of uh, have some influence over, which is the biggest one that I hear fairly regularly is the security of cloud. What's your what's your comments on that for, for someone that's worried about the security? So I think uh, there are uh, security uh, protocol that anyone can follow, but I'm going to talk about in the context of data, mm. data at rest, data in motion, data in use. So you need to have appropriate protocol to handle and manage data uh, that is transferred over the network. So yeah. that is the first thing. The second thing is to keep the data encrypted. And most of the cloud providers have secure way to secure your data, methods to secure your data, so no one can get access. Mm -hmm. um, and as, uh, as part of your infrastructure uh, organization, there should be um, uh, where you will be blacklisting some IP address. And from those IP address, no one should be able to access your data that you have secured. Um, predominantly, uh, everyone deals with uh, personally identifiable information um, like name, social security number, mm -hmm. name, what have you. So there are techniques like um, masking, tokenization that anyone could leverage. Uh, the variety of technologies available to secure data, and uh, you know these are some of the options you anyone could uh, utilize yeah. to secure the data. And apart from that. Uh, it's very uh, important to take inventory of who has access to what data and whether they have the right access. Um, access control is another way to restrict access to sensitive elements. So mm -hmm. overall, I think uh, if we follow the right protocol across these three areas, I don't think there should be any security concerns or challenges. Yeah. 
So like you say, it's about setting it in black and white and saying this is these are the rules for, for the data. This is who's going to have access to it. And then almost setting setting their minds at ease. The executives who are perhaps a little bit worried about about transforming over to over to the cloud and actually saying, you know, you have legitimate concerns. I think it's fair enough to be to be worried about data security. I think it's a very positive thing, in fact. But actually, some of these things uh, that we hear in the media, obviously, I mean, so much of what we've spoken about today, you can Google and find the most horrific AI bias uh, stories, cloud stories and, and stuff like that. But actually, it's about, uh, you know, looking at the majority and actually the fact that, that there are methods out there to be as secure and as safe as possible. Now, Mina, at the beginning of our conversation, I mentioned that you are very passionate about welcoming more women and, uh, in, and other voices into the data analytics space. What would be your top advice for women looking at getting involved in data architecture in the future? Uh, the role of an architect is influencing um, on also selling and also negotiating and also working with uh, everyone in the enterprise, providing ideas, recommendations, and solving problems. So it's not like a, a role that would work independently by itself. Like this role is to is meant to collaborate with everyone, mm -hmm. most importantly, uh, provide recommendations and be able to justify why the recommendation, why the solution. So influencing is very critical for this role. And I would encourage uh, women to hone these skills. Um, and apart from that, I would say women should never give up. Yeah. Be consistent always and constantly chase your dream. So that's more important to be successful in any role. Absolutely. And I think what's so positive, Mina, is that you are yourself a head of data architecture. And I think that's fantastic to see a woman in this position because there will be lots of people growing up and, in, in, you know, looking at which uni courses to do and college courses to do. And actually seeing people like yourself on the BOD pod talking about these things is an inspiration in itself. And it's something that we're looking at doing more of in the business of data uh, in content is making sure that all voices are included so that, you know, not only are we encouraging people with our words but with our actions as well so i'd like to thank you for for joining us on this on this episode because uh, i think you are actively encouraging uh women to join in so thank you so much but last question i want to to put to you before we wrap up today is what's the number one piece of advice you would give to other financial service data leaders who are trying to align their data strategies with their end user needs so understanding what the customer needs when they need is very critical for anybody to be uh, driving a strategy. Uh, data strategy specifically should look at what data do I need? What are some of the key metrics that I need to influence on my customers? What sort of personalized recommendations I can provide my customers so I can improve customer experience mm -hmm. and also increase customer loyalty? So that should be the focus of any data leader in order to successfully use data strategy and ensure it's aligning with the end user experience. Fantastic. And on that bombshell, that is all the time we have today. Mina, it's been fantastic chatting with you. Thank you so much for joining us today. And I hope I'll get to catch up with you real soon. Thank you. Uh, thanks, Catherine. It's a pleasure talking to you. Thanks for having me today. Thanks so much. Bye-bye.
what a brilliant conversation there with Nina. What I absolutely love and my biggest takeaway from that conversation is how customer centricity and technological advancements are absolutely interlinked together. You can't have one without the other in terms of having great success in what is a very turbulent time at the moment. As always, make sure you're following our social page so that you can like, share and comment and engage with your fellow thought leaders. And do make sure if you're not already that you're subscribed to the Business of Data platform so that you're first in line for our thought leading content and insights, as well as things that people who aren't subscribed just won't get to see, like our weekly newsletter. For now, stay safe, look after yourself and I'll see you real soon.